Hey, welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. Your host, Roger Abel, special guest, referee Elias Randall in the house. And it's never been more imperative that today that somebody actually understands the rules of football. And the reason is we're actually filming this show uh, on the 23rd of October, so it's a little bit in advance. But here's what I want to know, Elias. We're Hawkeye fans. The Hawkeyes, Cooper DeGene ran back a punt with about a minute and a half to go. That would have won the game. Yep. He got called back because of some weird call that on a review that apparently I'm not sure has ever been called in NCAA college football history before. So tell me a little bit about it. I'm going to take your take on this and then I'm going to ask you about your personal football game. Yeah. Okay. So invalid fair catch is a decision that's made in a lot of different football games, but it's never announced to the stadium. It's not really, um, it's in, in the rules, it's a violation, which makes the ball dead upon possession. And the, the intent of the rule is to stop basically a fake fair catch. Like I wave like this. So the defenders stop pursuing me and then I catch it and I start running. Um, okay, so let me ask you a question. I return kicks mm-hmm. when I played football, punts, all of it, lots of them. His arm never came above his shoulder. So any waving, any waving motion is considered an invalid signal. The, I think that I think the issue with the play is if if the on field official determined that was an invalid signal, then the play should have been blown dead at possession and people would have been wondering well why and they could have made an announcement to the stadium and then you know then we're living on speculation oh well, he could have took that to the house so my next question is that a judgment call or is it just black and white well er- everything in football is judgment so i i don't know and i because don't the intent, so i'm not privileged to the conversation i would i would guess that the intent he was not yelling fair catch. The, he is yelling fire, fire, poison, poison, something to get away from oh, the ball. Oh, the returner? Yeah. So but let me ask you that question because you understand the rules. Am I allowed to yell fire, fire, or whatever our team's signal is to get away from the ball? Yeah. And that doesn't constitute an invalid? Correct. You, Correct. That's not. So if his intent was to tell his people to get away from the ball, and not to call a fair catch, because when I returned kicks, I waved my arm like you can't believe and yelled fair, fair, fair. If the intent was not for him to call a fair catch, does that mean that it's a judgment call and they didn't necessarily have to return that or overturn that call? I, th- I think so. My I don't know. It's really odd, and it's it, the bottom line. It's either way, it's sloppy officiating because either we had an invalid signal and the play should have been blown dead. So there's no reason if you're on the field and you have an invalid signal, there's no reason to let the play go. And the position that watches that, that's not the position I work in college football. It is the position I work in high school football, and it's all the same. You first figure out where the ball is going and then officiate signals and possession. Um, and then it is a reviewable signals are a reviewable aspect 
all scoring plays are reviewed and then replay came in and determined he waved his arm and so it's either one of two things either the on-field officials didn't interpret that as an invalid signal and then replay made it that or it's possible the on-field official wasn't sure if the signal was invalid or not so let it play out and then wanted it to go to replay um which that would actually be the prudent thing to do right if you're unsure you let the play play out because otherwise it's blown dead and if it was the wrong call we don't know the outcome of the play i don't know that that's how i mean i, I, know, I don't know i've i've you know it's it's easy to say what i would do but from my perspective if i have an invalid signal i don't want to know the result of the play cuz i have as an official but what if you're not quite sure then i mean if you're like on the fence so but I guess how are you on the? We fence? don't really get. We, they didn't we don't, see it on the field. We don't. They just they thought he maybe stepped out of bounds and replayed the thing. I'm guessing, and it was yeah. a scoring. Play. And w- when you're on the when you're on the field, you don't get the uh, the benefit of I'm not sure. You make decisions with the information. Yeah, you have, and, so. and so the other issue is it's a scoring play under two minutes. It's getting reviewed either way. Yeah, and a lot of fans thought like Minnesota requested a no. review. It's not a request. That's automatic. Review. Yeah. It's automatic. It's a scoring play going to get reviewed. I would imagine the communication on the sidelines was not great. I'm sure the on-field officials told Coach Ferentz, hey, we're just review- we're reviewing to make sure his feet were in bounds because that's what everyone thought. So it either way, I think no matter how you slice it, it's it's kind of sloppy. It's and football. Brian- it's football. No one's perfect. Mistakes are made. Um, I can't tell you what I would do in the situation, and we'll get – I, I want guidance on it though. After seeing it, like I want it, I want a real answer on. To my interpretation of the play is he was pointing and running, and I don't think we should be getting so technical with the rules that you're not allowed to point and run. Like your arm went in a circle, but you were running. Right? I don't think that that's the intent of the rule, but I'll be. We'll get. That's kind of what I was getting at. Like his yeah. intent had nothing to do with a fair catch whatsoever, unless. Yeah. Something else happened in the field and I don't had, know about. We've had other plays that after it's all said and done, the guidance from the NCAA would be something like, this is too technical of a rule application, even for replay, to do. So, And that's the thing in football. Football is the, What makes officiating football challenging is it's all in the gray. right? We have rules and then we have the philosophy, and er, it's all judgment, and I don't know – my opinion, if the on-field official didn't have that as an invalid signal, I don't think that's some good on-field officiating. We should just let it be what it is. But I don't know what I don't know what the NCAA is going to say about it. I'll find out though because they put out a video, ten to fifteen minutes every week of plays, and there's zero chance that play is not going to be on our training tape. <laughs> um, here's my take on it: Don't put yourself in that position anyway. If you're a good enough team, yeah. I mean, it, it, so it I had friends back, saying, yeah. "Hey, you know, we got, you know, screwed or whatever it was." I'm like, "Not the end of the day. If you're the better team, you just don't put yourself in a position to let one officiating call determine the game. There's however many plays in the game. It is what it is. We're on the wrong side of it. The people in Minnesota think, "Man, awesome, they got the call right, right?" There's a fifty-fifty <laughs> right. deal here. No, you, right? Fifty percent of the people are happy, looked at the rule and thought, "Oh yeah, that's correct," and fifty percent are unhappy, looked at the rule and thought, "Well, that's completely bogus." This is ironic. We're actually talking about this, and we're talking about fifty-fifty splits here because it's Black Friday time again. 
And some people think that Black Friday is great. And some people think that it's just a way to drive up the revenue for companies during a period of time, you know, that we get all excited about. And we've done, this is a BR, this is our third Black Friday episode, I think. And every year I kind of learned something new. Um, you know, one year we learned about gray, th was it gray Thursday? That's what my wife and my wife and her sister and mom used to do where they go out Thursday night. That's when it starts. Yeah. Thursday night, yeah. Thanksgiving after Thanksgiving dinner and all the men are stuffed with Turkey, watching football, taking naps. The girls go hit the streets and start shopping. Why is my best memory of this is the year my wife, uh, brought home the TV. I'm sure I've told this story before. Yeah, didn't you go with her? No. Wasn't I that didn't. like a huge deal? You guys were going to buy this awesome TV, but you didn't go. No, we weren't even going to buy a TV. My wife, I, I didn't. I'm never going shopping on Thursday night of Thanksgiving, ever. I want nothing I've to never, do with that. I've never done that either. You can come watch football with me. Yeah. Uh, but my wife called me one night. She's like, hey, this guy randomly gave me his ticket to buy one of these TVs at Target. And they were like, 10 TVs, that's it. Because, you know, on... Black Friday, Gray Thursday, they're all going to have like some blowout super sale, right? Like there's always one item that is drawing you into the store. Well, this was like a 55 or 60 inch TV for, I want to say 200 bucks. And this is back in like 2015 when those TVs were like a thousand bucks to get into. So it was a deal. It was a deal. So she calls me up. She goes, should I get the TV? I'm like, I mean, we don't really need a TV, but yeah. So smoking deal. Guess how long the TV last? Six months. Three years. That's it. I mean, it just shut off one day. It was some like off the brand, off the wall brand that that didn't didn't last all that long. But so isn't cool, that crazy how you can have like one TV that only lasts three years, and then everyone has a TV that you just it won't die on you. I had one. I just took it out of my yeah. screen porch. Oh, you did. I didn't know if you were still using it or not. But well, everyone's had that TV in their family that. Just keeps on trucking. In 2004, we bought a Panasonic plasma TV. You know, but before the LED TVs was all plasma was the deal. Went from the big tubes to the thin, well, semi-thin plasma TVs. I literally finally, this summer, took it out of my screen porch. So it sits in the screen porch all winter long, too. So it gets all the cold, all the heat. And finally, it was like, it'd be a regular picture. And then all of a sudden, it'd go all red. And then it would kind of come back to regular. So it got annoying enough that I had to replace it. But 20 years on a TV, I think, is pretty pretty solid. It is solid. But here's some stats about it. In I mean, it's pretty crazy. But there's 125 million people in the United States have shopped on Black. Last year, 125 million people shopped on Black Friday. That's 37% of the total population. So everybody out there, if you want to save yourself a giant headache, don't go shopping with 40% of America on one day. You're all piling in the same place. The majority, and some of that includes some cyber stuff too, right? Because now it's not just going to the store, but it's going to the website. That's probably gotten as big or bigger. 70% of consumers prefer shopping online, while only 31% shopped in the store. And I can tell you over my life, this has drastically changed. I used to always want to go to the store because I wanted to try it on. I don't have to go return it. Man, they made it so easy to shop online. I just ordered two items last week, clothing items that didn't fit. And I dread returning things. Like I dread having to go back to the store. I dread having to package up and 
like ship it off. I went online to return an Amazon item and they're like, oh yeah, just drop it off here. We do everything for you. My other item, same thing was going to a different company. I'm like, you may just show up at UPS and give them the box. I don't have to print a label, just a little like scan code. I'm like, this is as easy as it gets. It's that they've actually made it easier than the store. Cause what happens in the store? You got to go in with a line of 37 people. There's not 37 people in line at FedEx. Because no. no one's asking if you, let's see your receipt, and I can't find my receipt. No, you just get yourself a little barcode, can't lose a receipt. It, it's it's transforming how people shop. This year, though, U.S. consumers are expected to spend 7.5% more on Black Friday than they did last year. That translates to about $10 billion this year in one day. I'm a little shocked billion. people are spending more. I am, too, because, you know, we've heard and read about how consumers just have less money now. Credit cards are back. Credit card debt is way up high again and back. And just doesn't... Americans are great consumers. It's hard to stop the spending. So anyway, the next... Here's the next question on Black Friday. Is, is it worth it? Is it even worth it to go out and shop? So apparently there's like huge deals on Black Friday, like 70 to 80% off. And I... I'm guessing that's a marketing thing, right? You make, you get some big ticket items that are at a huge discount, get people in the store. Those are your loss leaders. But then the, the average Black Friday deal is about 25% discounted from, from the full retail price. And, and feeling whether it's worth it or not, it's actually pretty generational. So I think the value that's there for people, it almost depends on your age, but in general, kind of the younger Gen Z, Gen Y, Gen X, um, values that more. And then as you go up in age, people start to view those deals as just not being worth it. And I'm guessing that's somewhat maybe looking at the price. It's also probably, I'm sure older folks don't care to go be elbow to elbow with people in every target across America buying stuff on Thanksgiving. And then the other thing I was going to say, is it worth it? You know, that's also a question of, do you want to spend your time doing that? So for me, I'm not really interested in any of the deals because I don't want to go shopping on Thanksgiving. I want to be at the house, eat the big meal, you know, enjoy the desserts, watch the football game and hang out. But I think socially there is some there's a lot of entertainment value for people who do like to shop so i know you know all the the grandmas the aunts um even my daughter who's eight years old now it's a big deal for all of them to go as a group and hit the gray thursday night deals and at least get a couple things and, and they get excited about it so there's some value in that too right of hey this is a tradition this is something we like to do and it's part of their Thanksgiving holiday. I think it has more to do with Thanksgiving holiday. I, I was trying to pull up just to see if people already have their Black Friday out, and some of these people do. And I'm looking at like Bass Pro Shop; they've got this fishing transducer that's a thousand bucks on sale for five hundred bucks. You might as well buy it right now. I would bang the if I needed it. I would bang the buy button right now. Like I'd hammer it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, if, I don't. If you needed it. 
if I need it, I don't need it. But you know what? That goes to another problem with Black Friday. And as because this shows about building wealth at some level, you got to start to quantify whether you need it or not. Just because it's on sale doesn't mean you need it. It's kind of like the TV my wife and I bought. Like we actually didn't need it. That was 500 or 200 bucks we wasted. Now, that said, was it nice? Yeah. But that's a great example. I'm on here trying to figure out what the great deal is, but I don't need any of it. You've already bought all of your all your fishing gear in previous Black Fridays. So you're good. You're caught up. I don't need any. Um, you know what, though? That's probably a good shopping point for people as you're preparing to go out Black Friday. Instead of trying to find out what the deals are before you open an ad, what are the 10 things I need? And if you can't come up with them, why are you going? Like, it's one thing if you're saying, hey, I'm buying, you know, my daughter. Here's the Christmas list before I see the ads. Here's my Christmas list for the girls for in my house. Be like, hey, mom, here's the Christmas list. Is any of this on Black Friday? And then is, is it worth it to go spend the time, effort and energy to track it down? But that's not how people shop. They're going out trying to find something that's on sale. And thinking they got a deal. Well, who cares if you got a deal if you don't need it? Still spend a bunch of money you didn't need. Yeah, you know what? So with the holiday shopping conversation, I know every house got the Amazon catalog, right? Have your kids gone through it and circled stuff? Yeah, the most, Elias, the most ironic thing about it is this is what we did when we were kids. That's what I was going to bring up. So, it's, you know, it's that's sears used to do that right that was the company yeah it was sears catalog well then amazon probably helped to put them out of business they single-handedly put them out of business right and then it's like a behind the back pass now they took over that kind of space for people oh and here's the catalog which it's probably nostalgic for people our age and the kids love it because then they can just grab it and circle the stuff. But it's really kind of interesting to see how that all came full circle. And then hey, you know, maybe ask- had Sears maybe evolved differently in their business model. You know, maybe Sears would be the online distribution. So what do you, what do you think? Do you actually think Black Friday's worth it, Elias? Uh, yeah. I, okay. Are the deals really worth it? Probably not. These stores aren't in the business of giving stuff away. It's a big revenue generating thing. If you find it entertaining and you enjoy doing it, then yeah, it is a good time to go out, go out and get some of your bigger ticket items and do some shopping. For me, no, for me, it has never been worth it. Will never be worth it. I'm, I'd be shocked if I ever participate in a Black Friday sale. Going to the store anyway, I'd order something online if there was something I really wanted. But yeah, I think it's fun. People enjoy doing it. Uh, it's part of Thanksgiving now, and probably worth it. All right, Elias, so something I think about during Black Friday is how can people set themselves up so they don't regret buying a bunch of stuff they didn't need and overspending? Because that's really what it's going to lead to is some level of of overspending. And I think there's like four four primary things people can do. For me, the first thing is you got to make the list. We just talked about it. Like, what are the list of things we are going to buy for Christmas or Hey, in the next six months, what are we looking to replace? So if you say, hey, I need a, 
you know, I know we need to replace our microwave. Well, maybe that's the time to go look at doing it. If you know it's something you're going to need in next six months. You know, I kind of have the 18 month rule. If I haven't used it in 18 months or I won't use it within 18 months, then I don't need it. I mean, if you think about most of life, if you haven't used it in 18 months, you probably don't need it that bad. You're not using it. Yeah. So what I've started doing is the things I haven't used, I'm moving to places in my house that I don't need to get to. Because I, I look around everywhere, I'm like, man, all my storage is taken up with stuff I never use. And then the stuff that I need to use is not convenient. So make a list of what you need to get. That's the first thing. Second, have a budget. This is the easiest time to blow the budget out. And because consumers don't spend cash anymore, they just don't. We can say what the benefits of spending cash are. People don't. There's a lot of stores that don't take cash. They don't want to take cash. Go to an Iowa Hawkeye basketball game. It's card only. Just figure out what your budget budget is and stick to it. If you don't have a budget, you could end up putting it all on your credit card. And then it's not getting paid off. And then we're into... You know, this really, really tough, um, tough world of trying to get out of credit card debt. Once you get there, it's hard, especially today. Rates are 20%. You know, the other, you know what I saw the other day at um, Fleet Farm? Layaway's back. Really? Well, layaway went away when interest rates were zero. Layaway's back. When I was in college, I worked at a jewelry store. Layaway was a huge deal. A lot of guys would come in and buy their wedding rings for or engagement rings. And they put them on layaway. So if they spent... How does that... Do you pay interest nope. on layaway? I, no. It's just the price and then you make... And then when it's paid off, then you can pick it up. I yep. don't really... I've never done it. I don't. It used to be a huge Kmart in town. So let's say you buy a $1,000 item. You can come in and pay as much as you want. Typically, most layaways are like six months. Right? They don't want to keep the merchandise back there for a year. But so six months, so you can come in and pay 100, 200, 300, whatever you want. Once it's paid off, it's yours. No interest. It's actually a great way to do it. It's like no interest financing. You just don't get the item until you pay for it. So what happens if you go beyond the six month? They refund your money. Oh, and then just put the item back out for sale. Yeah. Well, gotcha. that's what we used to do. Because we don't want to send in a bunch of stuff behind the case. But I just saw it the other day walking in a fleet farm layaway. I'm like, that's a great option for people right now. If yeah, you know, start paying for it. You know what? If you're going to buy your husband a saw, a Milwaukee saw that's four hundred dollars, you don't have the cash, and you don't need it till Christmas. Why do you have to take it today? You don't. Lay you away. Have, you do layaway one hundred twenty-five bucks a month. Doesn't cost you any interest. Or if you put it on the credit card, you're probably paying an extra of forty, fifty, sixty bucks for it by the time you pay the card off. So layaway. If you don't have the money, I don't. I don't know how I got off on that tangent. And then um should do some research, research, whether the black Friday stuff's a good deal and then quantify what's a good deal, right? Like if someone tells me all of like shields, or they put out fishing merchandise is 25% off. I don't think that's a good deal. You can, why? Cause you can always find there's 25. other sales throughout the year where you can get 25%. So why do I need to rush out to the store to spend 25% off today? I mean, there's all kinds. There's all kinds of stores that always do twenty, twenty or twenty five percent off fishing sale. Mm -hmm. You know when I buy my hunting clothes, when? I never buy them before the season. Yeah, that's when they're most expensive. January, February, March, April is when I buy them. You know why? They're all half price. Yeah, because the season just got over. Yeah, and if a garment's four hundred dollars and I'm buying it for two, and I know I need it, 
okay, that's when I buy it. So I always buy my hunting clothes after the season. Fleet Farm always has giant sale racks of good stuff. And so does Shields. Shields will mark their stuff way down. And I'm not talking about crappy stuff, high-end stuff. So this is where a little research comes in. Like, oh, 20% off Sitka gear. Nah, not interested. I'll wait until it goes half off somewhere that didn't sell it and they can't afford to have winter coveralls hanging up all summer long that won't sell mm -hmm. and then employ the full price rule like just because it says sale doesn't mean it's a sale like if it's like if something's a thousand bucks we can always buy it for 750 somewhere kind of like what i just told you like if it's 25 percent <laughs> off it's not a sale dude it's you almost had me there. You almost, I was like, what does he mean? It says sale, but it's not a sale. I was confused for a second. But you're saying if it's always on sale for 25%, that's just the normal price. Yes. Yeah, that's what you're getting at. Okay. Yes. And the other thing is, here's what you ask yourself. Here's another good, another good thing you can throw out at yourself. If this wasn't on sale, would I pay full price? Good question. Because if your would answer you? is no, then you don't need it. Because things you need, you're actually willing to pay full price for because you need it. Yeah, you'll pay what it costs. So the good example, that TV we bought, if it was a 1000 bucks, you know what the answer would have been? No. No. Not doing it. Probably would have been better off selling the ticket to someone for 100 bucks. Probably could have done that. I probably could have had a profit on that deal. <laughs> but those are just That's some good. things I think about when I'm kind of getting ready or when I shop, like, is it on sale? Do I need it? All those different things. Like, I just have an idea of what I'm going to buy before yeah. I go out shopping. Yeah, I think one other thing I want to tag on to the stuff you just mentioned, and when we're because we start, you started that talking with like a budget for the holidays. I think holiday money, and this is, I think a sinking fund is great for the holiday season. It's what we do every year. So there's a set amount of dollars that we know we want available every year around the holidays. And it's just a weekly uh, transaction from the bank account goes into, we just call it our holiday fund. What You can name it, whatever you want. But then at that time of year, it's just the money's there. We've already allocated that. So, so I think the sinking fund is a great way to always be prepared because here's one thing that's not going to change. Thanksgiving and Christmas aren't going away, right? You know, those, those bills are going to be around every single year and you're not gonna, Oh, I'm going to cut back on holidays. Not realistic. You're not going to do that. Right. And as your family grows, like ours has, it's more expensive every year. Cause now we have three kids instead of two. And then before the only one, right. So that budget has to grow too, but you know, I think the sinking fund's a good way to attack that. I think it's a great way. The problem is you got to get a year ahead. But the first year you do it, then it's easy. Then you're just yeah. always refilling the bucket. So someone, so hopefully, if you can get through the Christmas season without put her on the credit cards in January, you start say, "Hey, I spend fifteen hundred on Christmas, so one hundred and twenty-five bucks a month, or you know." $30 a week, that's all it really is. $30 a week, I just have an automatic ACH that goes to a fund somewhere. And sure enough, I wake up, it's Christmas time, and I have 1500 bucks and no stress and no credit cards involved. Yeah, and if you do, right, so if you are to the point where we've had to use credit cards to get through the holiday shopping season and you're not really sure how to attack that, and that's, you know, the... Managing debt is part of 
building your long-term wealth and your overall net worth and being responsible uh, with that is absolutely part of that. So a good first step, know what you owe and find out, know the interest rate and the balance on the cards. And that could be as simple as a notepad and a pen and just write it down. Here's the credit card. This is the balance. This is the interest rate. A good next step from there would be just review your credit report and your credit score and start to figure out, one, are there any errors on here? Are there things that can be cleaned up easily? And then start getting those credit card bills paid off. So if you're already planning on using your credit card this holiday season and there's a large balance on there, you need start getting it paid off. Because what you don't want is you don't want to get through the holiday, you know, the holiday season, right? No one wants to go without a fun, enjoyable holiday. But if if the cost of that is ten thousand dollars in credit card debt that you truly cannot afford, is it like is it worth it to put yourself in that position? No, it's not. I think this is a I think this is another good strategy. Once you got that stuff figured out, you have your list made, you know the balance interest rates. Call the card issuers and ask them for a lower rate. It is possible that they'll work with you and they will give you a lower rate, which will make it easier to pay back, but don't just get the lower rate and then just keep clicking away the interest, right? Try to negotiate some settlement and some lower rates and then get that and then get it paid off. And then the the last the last step of this with the credit cards and managing it once you pick a strategy, stick to it, right? There's essentially your two basic ways of paying off debt would be attacking high interest rate first and then working your way down. People refer to that as the avalanche. What's more popular and in my opinion, easier to execute, which means since it's easier to execute, I also believe more effective to execute is a debt snowball. Start with the smallest one, roll those up. And I think, um, Anyone listening to our show knows our position on debt, and I don't, I don't think it's um, not managing your debt is never going to be a prudent strategy to building wealth. Managing debt appropriately is always going to be part of that picture. So that is, you know, if you just implement some easy things, make a list, attack it, get it done. And then maybe you can graduate to like a sinking fund, something that's more effective where you're paying cash and you don't owe money. But there's absolutely ways to get that accomplished. Hey, you made a comment that at the holiday season, everybody wants to have a fun time and, you know, cost 10,000 bucks, then maybe you can't do it. It shouldn't cost 10. No, no. That's what I'm getting to is that, you know, the older I get, the presence are the presence and the gifts and all that stuff isn't really what makes holidays fun right i like the cocktails i like the food i like the company i like the football like that's what makes it fun is the gathering of your family and friends and hanging out and it got me thinking you know i'm up at two o'clock watching youtube because somehow i get woke up every night (laughs) but i i got caught in youtube reels or facebook reels whatever and, and people out there who've done this know Two and a half hours later, you're still watching this stuff because it's like 60 seconds at a time. But there's a Warren Buffett clip out there. And uh, he was giving a talk at Georgia Tech, I think it was. And he was talking a little bit about, you know, his actual 
quote was, when you get to my age, you'll measure your success in life by how many people you want to have love you and actually do love you. But I also think about, you know, someone said, you know, your success in life will be measured by how many people show up at your funeral. It's not going to be by how many gifts you gave people. It's how many people you touched their lives and you helped and do all those things. And I think going into the holiday season, it's not the time to be stressed out about money because there's a lot of ways to do this for not a lot of money. And I think the most important thing to remember is people just want to spend time with their friends and family. You know, what we've done and like with my parents and my wife's parents, we're like, don't give us gifts. We have everything we need. You want to do gifts, you can do it with the kids. They think that's fun. We'd rather just hang out. And honestly, we don't want the pressure of going and finding a gift for somebody and being concerned that they're going to like it. Or my parents buying gifts for us and being concerned that we're going to like it. Like, we just all want to hang out and have a good time. And I'm with you. I'm with I, you there. And we've, we've done it. We've done it now for a couple of years, and we have a better time because there's no, like, we're busy. My parents are busy. Nobody cares. Most of us have what we need. So that, that's the perspective we take. And I think if you take the perspective that, hey, it's the holidays and spending time with your loved ones, your friends, your family, that's really where it's at. And the money's not the most important thing or buying the fanciest gifts, not the most important thing. Better do it for your wife. But for <laughs> mom and dad, brothers that's and just, sisters. That's just prudent marital advice. Yeah, you yeah, better yeah. make sure she gets something nice. Oh, well, with that said, Elias, I think that's kind of a good way to end the show. I appreciate your perspective on uh, Black Friday family, friends, and football as usual. you have any other closing remarks for me? Um, no, happy holidays, everyone, and enjoy the holiday season. I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. If you're looking for help, you can get us at btwellshow.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook. And is it X now? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so weird. What's X? X? That's now Twitter. Twitter's called X? I guess. Twitter's X and YouTube, Facebook, and X. Uh, that said, want to thank everybody for listening. Hope you have a great holiday. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, Consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional. 